Now that I've had you uh, sit down, can I have all the deacons stand up? If you're a deacon here, would you stand? Or an elder as part of this church, this is part of the leadership team. I want you to see who these folks are. If you have any questions, they're the ones to uh, talk to. Uh, if you want to find out about home groups, grab one of them. They all know everything. <laughs> uh, if you want to get involved in something, talk to these guys. But uh, we're a team, and I want you to see the team. So uh, thanks, guys. You can be seated. Uh, I mentioned last week, and I forgot to mention in the first service, that we're looking at bringing Rob and Helen Vanderlis onto our uh, eldership team as well, and, uh, which is exciting. But our process is that uh, we pray, we confirm it with guys on the Ephesians 4 team we partner with, we then talk with our existing leadership team, and then we bring it to you. Uh, not for a vote, we don't see that biblically, but for your perspective. If you know something about them that would disqualify them biblically, please let us know. Uh, we, that would be helpful before we make them elders. Uh, if you know them very well, Chris, then just keep it to yourself, all the stuff you know. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, you're worried about him. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Acts chapter 2. How many of you knew that I was going to say Acts 2? How many of you were here in the first service? Yeah, that doesn't count. Thanks for the uh, worship team and leading us this morning. Great job. Uh, let's pray. I did this in the first service. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to ask you to pray for me. And then I'm going to pray for you. It's to your uh, advantage that you pray for me because most of you are going to be polite enough to sit here for the next half hour, no matter how I waffle. So that I actually communicate well is to your, your benefit. So pray, and then I'll pray for you. Go ahead, pray out loud, please, for me. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here with us as we lift up Jesus, the head of the church, the Savior, the King. Uh, we just ask that you would open our eyes and our understanding of your ways and your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 2. They continue steadfast, verse 42, in the apostles' teaching or doctrine fellowship breaking of bread and prayers, and fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, sold their possessions and goods, divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. We've been talking about cultures that God builds into the church, but the context is Jesus came in obedience to God and humbled himself that we might be saved because of his love. 
And that's the beginning of the kingdom of God. The rulership of God is based on this incredible love. In fact, the only commandment he gives us in this new covenant is to love one another as I've loved you, which is laying down his life. As a result of that, this kingdom begins to expand. This rulership of God begins to touch other people. And there is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit because we need the Holy Spirit to be part of that. Not only do we get saved, but we get to be part of what God is doing in advancing the kingdom. But the kingdom is so different from the world. The kingdom of the world, the kingdom of darkness is so different that Jesus spent almost all of his time talking about this kingdom of God so much so that we need the Holy Spirit to lead us to empower us so that we can be part of that kingdom. It's so different that we need to have our minds transformed because we're part of this, for most of us, most of our lives, we're part of this kingdom of darkness, this kingdom of the world, who, which represents its leader or ruler, which is the devil. We become part of this kingdom that represents its leader, which is Jesus, which is based on love, not selfishness, which is based on... Uh, God's grace, not things that we earn or work, it's so different that, that we have to, to be transformed in how we think. And so that's the context of what happens. And then people started responding and getting saved and they gathered together, which is what the church is. And as these people gathered together, the Holy Spirit, right at the beginning, put certain cultures into this group that his intent was that this would impact everyone who comes into this kingdom. Cultures like yeast in bread or acidophilus in yogurt. I learned that last week from Johan. So supposedly he said that's the, uh, the culture in yogurt. I didn't know. But there's something that culture, and the thing is with a culture in something, is that it's passed along from cell to cell. It's not just injected from our high. It's something that permeates everything. So we're talking about the cultures of the church, the values that represent Jesus in his church. He said, I'll build my church. Find it interesting that Jesus didn't say, I'd like a church, guys, do something. He said, I'll build it, because you really have no clue. He had a pattern, the church represents something that actually exists in heaven. It's his plan, and he has a pattern of how it should be. And part of that, from the very beginning, is that the church is us. It's people. We're the church. Church is not a building. You can't build a building and build a church. It's not a church. It's a building. Church is not an organization. Church is people. So as God starts adding people, and we'll get to that later, he added those who are being saved. There's something of us being together that represents together his plan. And that's the culture they put at the very beginning that we're a part of way downstream. Unfortunately, a lot of that has gotten diluted along the way. And there's something of the Spirit saying, I want to bring back the original. So the first culture we talked about last week, the first foundational value is growth. They could devote themselves to the apostles' doctrine and teaching. It's not the growth of the 
institution of the church. It's our growth individually. Being doers of the word and not hearers only. There is something in Jesus' heart for this gathering of people that says, I have to be changed. It's not enough for Dylan to be changed. Though that's good. But I have to be changed. I have to continue to grow. I have to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Not leave it to someone else. I have to be a doer of the word. And not a hearer only. So that was last week. Today I want to talk about the second foundation, which is gifts. Which is a commitment to participate. That's what it actually said. They committed themselves to the apostles' doctrine, teaching, which is growth, and fellowship. That word fellowship is an interesting word in the Greek. It's koinonia, and we think it means fellowship. Means, we think it means hanging out together, but it means much more. It's actually partnership in something. We're part of this kingdom advancing, and it's a partnership together. We're in this together. It's a participation. It's not a sit and watch. It's I'm part of this. I'm part of this army that's seeing this kingdom advance. And so there's something of that commitment to participate. There's a bigger picture that this is a part of. And that is that Jesus' plan for his church is that we're a kingdom of priests. I mentioned that, but we're a kingdom of priests. 1 Peter 2, 5 says, You also as living stones being built up as a spiritual house. You're one of those living stones. A holy priesthood. That means every one of us is to be a priest. We are. In fact, the Bible refers to you as saints. See, we've got to change our thinking. You're a priest. Revelation, in uh, verse, uh, chapter 5 and verse 10 says you've made us kings and priests or a kingdom of priests to our God. The priests do the ministry. So God's intent was always that we all are ministers. Ephesians 4.12, he gave, 11, he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. We're being equipped to do the work of the ministry. That's what we're on about. This is not a performance. We're not trying to entertain you. We're trying to equip you. As such, I'm going to step on your toes this morning. Please have grace for me. I have grace for you. So the reality is that we all have gifts. You have a gift. We all have gifts. Now, I'm not talking about the manifestations of the Spirit from one, in 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 says, uh, concerning the spiritual gifts, brother, I don't want you to be ignorant, that term gifts isn't there. It's actually concerning the supernatural or the spirituals, I don't want you to be ignorant. So there's these manifestations of the Spirit. The Spirit manifests himself, and he can manifest himself in any of those through any of us. The teaching that those are gifts have limited people to I find one and I stick to that. Now, I want to set you free. He can do all of them through you. Those are manifestations of the Spirit. But the Bible talks about gifts 
that he's given. Turn with me to uh, Romans chapter 12. You don't have to actually turn because it comes upon the deal behind me. I should just preach like this. But from verse 4, it says, For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us. There's something of gifts there that we have from him. Let us use them. If prophecy, prophesying in proportion to our faith in or ministry, let us uh, use it in ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts, exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness, let love be without hypocrisy. There's something of gifts Ephesians 4.11 says that Jesus gave gifts to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints. They're not people, they're gifts. And so there's something of apostolicity. Is that a word? I just made that up. It is now. There's something of that gifting that impacts every believer that we're equipped, something of the focus on Jesus and the authority of the word, but there's something of the prophetic, which is a love for the spirit and hearing God's voice that impacts every one of us. But when one of those gifts comes in and ministers, everyone's raised, but some people really get excited. There's something, see, when you have a grace gift, there's something of a resonance with that. What do I mean by that? That the grace gift is something that carries away the idea of joy. Gift comes from the same root word as joy. It's finding that thing that just gives you joy. It's a delight. I love doing this. I love being a part of this because that's how I resonate. And it just gives you joy. That's the kind of gifts we're talking about. There's something that God puts in us that as we allow it to be used, energizes us. There are some things you know that are just tiring. But there's some things, for many of us, they become hobbies because in doing them, we get energized. Well, there's something about that in the kingdom as well that energizes us. So how do you find out, how do you discover what your gift is? Good question. I'm going to tell you. There's an attitude that we have to have that helps us discover our gifts. We're going to get to other gifts a little bit later, but I just want to deal with the attitude this morning. Two things the Bible is very clear on. From Romans 12, verse 3, for I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. He's basically saying humility is the attitude or the atmosphere that we begin to discover our gifting. Humility. 
1 Peter 5, 5 says, God's opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. There's something about humility that releases grace. We're talking about grace gifts. There's something that isn't just our makeup, but it's something empowered by the Spirit that is released as we have a humble attitude. What does that mean? That basically says, I'm not the center of everything. My gift is not the most important. It's recognizing we're individually members of the same body. I, we need each other. We need your gift. Jesus' plan for the church is that everybody brings together their gifts and something in that reflects him. I don't by myself have all the gifts to reflect him. You don't either. That's humility. I actually need Phil Masters. I actually need Paul Burton. I actually need Ben Cogger playing the bass. I gave him a tough time this morning, so I had to pick up the second one as well. No, appreciate you guys' involvement. It's absolutely wonderful. So what that means is this. There's no ranking of gifts. Okay, gifts are not ranked that mine's more important than yours or Tim's is more important than mine or that I really don't have anything so I, I'm just going to do nothing. There's no ranking of gifts. Everyone's important. That's the whole totality of what the Bible's talking about that we're individually members. You go back to 1 Corinthians 12, which I'm not going to preach again, but it talks about different parts of the body. We need them. The, the most visible is not the most important. I get up here sometimes and preach. That's part of the, my responsibility and gifting, but that doesn't mean that what I do is more important than when you share a word with someone or pray for somebody. Visibility does not equal importance in the kingdom. Some of you who are quick will say, but what about 1 Corinthians 12, 28, where it says he gave first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. See, because we're so saturated in the way the world thinks, which is hierarchy, we immediately put that in a hierarchical system. He gave first apostles, and then second under them, prophets, and then teachers, when it's, if you understand the whole totality of the Bible, it's not a ranking, it's a chronological. When a church is established, the first gift that it needs is the apostolic. What is the apostolic? It's a focus on Jesus, the supremacy of Christ. It's declaring the good news. Add to that, second, the prophetic, hearing the Holy Spirit. Add to that, teaching, the authority of the word. Not that one's more important. I want to be the apostle. A number of years ago, uh, in the early 1990s, there was a guy who was a, had a prophetic gifting uh, ministry in the States. And he, and he, he was called a uh, prophet. And then early in the 1990s, he began to prophesy that there was going to be a diminishing of the prophetic and God was going to increase the apostolic in restoring something of 
to the church of an apostolic ministry, which really is about enlarging the kingdom and planting. It's not about authority. But because we think hierarchy, I, I was aware of that because a number of years later, we moved back to the States and uh, happened to be in that area. So I looked up to see if this guy was still leading the church there. And I looked up on the internet and he was now no longer prophet so-and-so. He was apostle prophet so-and-so. See, as God's emphasizing something, he then wants to be part. This is now a more important gift, and I want to make sure that I have that. So, yeah, I had someone gave me a business card with their name and that they were an apostle. I think, you're not an apostle because you're on a business card. (laughs) So, what am I saying? There's no ranking. And humility says, I have something to offer, but I also get to receive from everyone else. Are you still with me? Yeah, yeah you're, you're there because humility unlocks grace. And so we need grace. But there's a second attitude for discovering our grace gift, and, and that's serving. Now, you guys all know this, but... The kingdom is so different than the world. I'm going to say it again. Uh, and that is that the attitude is, is one of serving. You know the word minister in Greek literally means serve. We're a kingdom of priests called to do the work of the ministry. That literally means serving. Oh, I didn't know that. The word is diakonos, from which we get Deacons. Now, deacons aren't the only one who serve. There's an office that is then acknowledged of that, but it's a quality that's supposed to permeate every single person. We're a kingdom of servants, a kingdom of priests. So a hard attitude is one of serving. Matthew chapter 20 Jesus talking about leadership in the kingdom. I'm not talking about that this morning, but go back and read the whole thing. But in verse 28, it says this. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many, that word is diakonos. He didn't come to be served, but to serve. What does that mean? Becoming like Christ, as we are being transformed to become like Christ, means looking to serve, not be served. That is totally contrary to the world. The world system is just the opposite. The world system is, look at me, serve me. Look at my ministry or, or my name or, or something. I, let me get to the point where someone else serves me. And that worldly attitude, if we're not careful, creeps into the church and we read Jesus' words and we interpret them like this, that if you serve for a little while, then eventually you get to the point where someone will serve you. Right? Serving becomes the means to being served. That's what I was taught in the church I grew up in. What happened? We just had the world system. 
The kingdom is so different. Serving is what becoming like Jesus is about. You never graduate from that. You never get beyond that. That's what he's saying. That's the culture he's building into the church so that we're all at the point of saying, hey, we're being made into the image of Christ. So, here's my conclusion. There's gifting, which is joy and grace and delight. It's that thing that you do that it's not a, a, a difficulty. It, you just delight in doing it, and we want to help you find that. But there's also chores. And there's serving that says, I can do the chores. I've never met anyone who had a grace gifting to take out the trash. But you know, it still has to be taken out. But there's a hard attitude that says, I can do that. Huh? Joyfully. <laughs> Joyfully. There's... I was talking to a leader in another church in another nation once, and someone said he never helped set up. And I asked him, this guy said you never helped set up. How come? He was one of the leaders in this church. He said, I don't have grace for that. <laughs> I hope you've never used that term in your life. If you have, repent right now. Because what he was actually saying is, I don't have a servant heart. Because God's grace is sufficient. If you see rubbish on the floor, don't come tell me. Just pick it up. There's enough grace for you to do that. Oh, no, no, I'm not called to that. I don't have grace for that. Not my job. No, there's something of God's heart that says, hey, we're all in this together. I had a friend, another friend who was a uh, pastor of a Calvary Baptist church in the States a number of years ago. He said he got so tired in his church of people telling him, I don't feel led. I don't feel led to do that. That he got a bucket and he filled it with fishing weights. And he said, come up here. Put your hand in the bucket. Now you feel led. Go do something. I don't care. Anything. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, fishing weights are made, are made of lead, fishing weights. See, sometimes we say, I don't know what my gifting is. I want to tell you, you find it through serving. Try something. If it's not right, it's okay. You don't have to do that the rest of your life. Try something else. But there are some other things that are just plain chores. That sometimes we have to say, oh, I can help out with that. Last note before I go on to an application, and that is, he, he goes on and he talks about committing themselves to the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking bread, and prayer. Prayer is a different category. Everyone's called to that. Okay? 
You don't have to be led. You don't have to have a gift. That's not a special gift. There are not people who are gifted. There are people who have a tendency to enjoy that more, which is wonderful, but that's part of the responsibility. I'm not sure if it's a gifting or a chore. I'm not sure. If, I don't know. Except I know that Jesus said, my house will call the house of prayer for all nations. And so there's something for all of us if we're going to be his church that it requires that. So what's the application? Two things. We want to help everyone identify their grace gifting. We want to help you find the sweet spot of what your ministry is. And we will do that. In the, we're going to approach that in the next series. We need a lot of prayer for that because it's not very often. I, in fact, I found one other church that actually approaches equipping people based on gifting, not on program. Too often, church starts program when we say we want to fit you into our program. We're, we're not programming. We're trying to find out what is your gifting and how do we equip you. There's something of people that are something of the prophetic hearing God and moving in that that is a strength in some people. It's for all of us, but there's some who actually have something of a strength. Too often what we do is that we focus on what we're not good at. We're going to take all those prophetic people and we're going to send them to an evangelism class because they need to learn how to do that. Yes, we do. And there's something in there for all of us, but why not take the strength that someone has and equip them in that and then find out how to release them in that because there's someone else who has a strength who loves evangelism. And we want to do the same thing. So we want to do that. We need a lot of prayer in how that works. So we're looking at that in our next series we're going to get to. But at the same time, as we're doing that, I want to encourage you to carry weight. What does that mean? Simply means that help out with some of the chores. Now I'm stepping on toes. I've told you this, but I had a friend, an older guy from the south in the U.S. He said, you've gone from preaching to meddling. <laughs> meddling is where you start, it starts applying. Uh, see, many teams share the responsibility. You look at the, the team that leads us in worship. This team doesn't do the worship. They lead us. We're the team, the worship team. But you look at them as they lead us, and you can say, ah, they don't need me. They've got Paul, the drummer. He's good. And I saw Johan there before, so they probably don't need me. Uh, or, or they've got Ben, the, the bass player, or Lucy, the keyboard player. And then I saw Jono play the, the keyboard part of last week. <laughs> I'm teasing him. But see, you can look at that and say, they don't, they don't need me. But the reality is the kingdom needs you. Yeah. We're not talking about equipping saints just for the work of the ministry in the church. We're talking about the kingdom. I would love to see six complete worship teams because I believe God's call for us is that we're going to plant churches and I'd love to have a whole worship team. 
So many teams share the responsibility. So there's guys who set up the chairs. You know, they didn't just happen here by all on their own. Somebody did that. Uh, and they do it all the time. And then afterwards, there's some people who pack them away. The worship team that, that leads us, maybe you play an instrument. There's instruments, there's voices, but there's also sound. There's the overhead things. How many of you have a phone? Anybody have a phone? Anybody have a phone? Let me see your hand. Do you have a phone? If you have a phone, you can do this. It's not rocket science. It's not rocket surgery. You don't even have to interact with people. But you better get it up there at the right time, though. <laughs> there's all kinds of other things. There's teams that set up the mother's room. There's special events, hospitality. There's greeting. There's all kinds of stuff. We need help with some secretarial things. All these things that you can simply say, okay, what can I do? Now, in addition to that, and I'm addressing this differently, the children's ministry is not included in that list because it has some other requirements. Everything I just said has no requirements other than that you actually do something. Children's ministry has some requirements because you have to have a working with vulnerable people card. We have to get to know you. Anytime we're entrusting people to you, we have a higher expectation. If you break the chairs, we don't care. If you break people, we definitely do care. And so anytime there's a entrusting of people, if you break your guitar while you're playing, sorry. <laughs> there's something of, see what we're trying to do in all my ranting and raving is get back to the culture that Jesus built into the church, not the culture that we have in the world today. The world today is one of entertainment. And so churches fall into the trap of thinking it's about entertaining. And so we kind of fall into that. And there's this mentality that says, uh, as long as I'm entertained, Prayer is one of the key ministries. And you don't even have to be here to do it. You can do it at home. At the same time, we want to help you find that place where you're excited and thrilled and full of joy. Let me encourage you. We're trying to build the right cultures. If you're new here, Please, just uh, take your time. If you're trying to check us out and see what this church is like, that's fine. I'm not talking about you doing something or getting involved uh, yet. If you've been here for a couple years or more, time's up. <laughs> Do something. Why? I, yeah, I'm half joking, but I want, I want you to understand 
if we're not careful, we bring the wrong culture. And then that permeates because cultures are caught, not taught. Cultures we catch from other people. And so if we're going to be the church that Jesus is building, every one of us want to be infected with the culture that he's putting into the church. Amen? Would you bow your head? Not more spiritual to bow your head. I just don't want you distracted. I have to be honest with you. I struggle with this because it's very easy for it to sound harsh, and that's not my heart. I'm not trying to put you under pressure that you have to do something. But what, what I'm trying to communicate is the privilege that we all have of being a part of what he's doing. And so if you felt pressured this morning, please forgive me. That's my poor communication. But if the Holy Spirit's speaking some adjustments in your heart, if there's something of thinking recognition for your gifting or ministry is more important than someone else, or even if you've thought I have nothing to add. God wants to change that. Because everything about what he's doing is that he gives us grace gifts. And so we all have something to add. Holy Spirit, we just acknowledge you. Thank you that you're the one who graces us, but you're also the one who leads us in truth. And Lord, for what we've been told, we can't do anything, where we've been told we have nothing to add. For those who've been told that, I just ask that you would remove that lie. Where we've seen a wrong model that lifts people on pedestals and makes them the focus, rather than the body the focus. Or where we've used language that has led us to believe that there's no place for us to be a part of what you're doing. We just are observers. Lord, I just pray that you would change all that by your spirit. In your son's name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand? God bless you. I hope you have a wonderful week full of the anointing of God and the grace of God and the presence of God in all that you do because wherever you go, you're carrying him. Uh, just before we finish, I'm going to ask you, just quickly, if we'll pray for Glenn. Glenn's going to go have some uh, heart surgery this week. And so if you're near Glenn, if you would just, uh, if you're comfortable, put your hand on him. If not, just stand back and stretch your hand out toward him. Father, we just thank you for Glenn. Thank you uh, that you've helped the, uh, the medical community identify the issues that he's facing in his arteries. But Lord, we just uh, ask that you would show your greatness, your favor, your goodness in him. Lord, as he's going to receive surgery this week, uh, that there would be something of supernatural favor. But Father, we ask for healing. Absolute, complete healing. 
Lord, that this would not bother them again. We realize that you can do that by a touch or you can do that through your hand on physicians. We're happy for either and both. Would you touch them? In Jesus' name. Would you protect them as they travel? Would you watch over them? But Father, we just thank you that your grace is more than enough. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. If you would like some prayer, uh, if I didn't call you out to pray like that, there'd be some folks here who'd love to pray with you. Uh, In front, uh, just come up and someone would love to pray with you. Otherwise, bless you and have a wonderful week.